You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the spirits to assist us here today. So I'm going to begin by calling, in to my, calling out to my ancestors and calling out to yours. Calling out to the ancestors of all who will ever listen to this show, wherever they might be on this planet. Because we are one human family, so I call out to all of our ancestors who have lived well and died well. Those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives through that legacy of the humans that have gone before us, who have struggled with the very same things that we struggle with, though in different forms. And we ask those uh, ancestors to be with us here today to help us to live well, to innovate in our own time, to change and grow and to heal and to be the people that our time is calling out for us to be. So I call out to these ancestors to join us here today to be with us, gather around, help us to do what needs to be done. And with the ancestors gathered around, I ask each one of us to move our awareness from wherever it might be to our heads, from our heads to our hearts, our hearts down into our bellies and from our bellies down our grounding cord all the way down into the earth. And as we greet the earth with our energy and our awareness, let us take a moment on this day and to give thanks. To give thanks for life, to give thanks for love, to give thanks for all the beauty and the wonder and diversity and challenge and effort in life. We give thanks for the miracle of life and for the wonder of the earth's dreaming that allows each one of us to change as long as we are still breathing. So we give thanks to the earth for life. And we reach deep down into the very center of the earth, into the very heart of the earth, and we draw up the energy of the earth, bringing into our bodies the energy of restoration and rejuvenation, replenishing energy, refreshing energy, that which renews. We call up this energy, drawing up all the wisdom of manifestation, that we might understand how to be here in form in a good way, and we call this energy up into our bodies that we can manifest in our own lives groundedness. That we can manifest home, the sense of home that goes with us no matter where we are. We can manifest this sense of hearth to bring others into our home, to give them safe space, to give them comfort, to give them a place to begin again upon their own journey. We call out to the energy of the earth and with that energy... We reach out through ourselves into other things to find the art and the energy of connection, of interconnection and ultimately of oneness. And from that energy of oneness, even even if it is just one moment in this day, we reach into that oneness to come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment and right relationship with the spirit world. We ask the energy of the earth to help us in understanding how to do these things, how to do them in a way that they are sustainable, that they renew, and that they enhance the diversity of life around us, not diminish. And so with this energy of the earth restoring, replenishing, and renewing us, we draw our energy up from the belly to the heart and the heart to the mind and reach out through the beautiful sky above you, whatever weather it might hold, and out through the weather and through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos. And take a moment and just imagine that your energy is caressing and being caressed by all the wonders of the universe, the great mysteries we do not yet know and all the heavenly bodies and reach all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know this energy connect with it intimately 
name it, see yourself reflected in it, and it reflected in you and draw this divine energy down into yourself, into these proceedings, into your day. And in this way, we call in the energy of protection and blessing and generosity and devotion, benevolence. We call in these energies that allow us to manifest in our own lives, mentors and champions, and to be mentors and champions for others. May we draw this energy down to bring into our day innovation and inspiration and creativity and that we may feel this uh, divine energy awakening within ourselves our own innate divinity so as they call this energy into our heads and our hearts and our bellies let us take a moment to experience the great ah as the energy of heaven and earth come together within us in that great dance of the big love, the two great legendary lovers from whom all form as we experience it is born. And we give thanks to these energies for inhabiting us here today and inspiring our day through that love. And into that space, we call out to the energy of the heart to awaken, to open, to be the crucible of transformation that it is, the wondrous chakra that it is, that is somehow more than everything else within us, is this heart that knows how to connect with the world. And we ask the energy of the heart to reach down and draw up the fiery passions of the bellies without asking them to change in any way. And we ask the heart to reach up and call down the crystal clarity of the mind and ask it to be present without changing in any way. And we ask the heart to allow these energies to dance together, to find as they move into their great dynamic energy together, to give birth to that third and most wondrous thing that is that true miracle for why you are here, which is your soul's purpose, the gift that you have to bring to the world. And may your heart help you to remember why you are here. And in that memory, may you find in that very same heart the courage to do something today, large or small, to bring your soul's purpose, your gifts into manifestation in the world. And so with the heart awakened within us, the earth below, the sky above, the ancestors gathered round, all of our helping spirits, the spirits of the land, the abundant assistant that is with us, we give thanks. And with that thanks, I also give thanks to Martha and Rebecca and Aaron and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially to the show since we were last together. I give thanks to you all for helping me in the financial effort to keep the show alive and on the air, to keep the archives available on the website. They're also on iTunes and on the co-creatornetwork.com site. We give thanks to Ken and Co-Creator Network. We give thanks to all of you that help this to stay alive technically which is not free. And I thank those of you who are, who are helping me to do that. And in this way, we all keep these shows available to anyone who has access to the internet anywhere in the world, and they can access the shows for, for, for free. And this is a great gift. And I thank you all for helping me to give it. I could not give it alone. And if this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart in any way, I ask you to allow yourself to be moved by your heart into action in some way, whether it is a donation, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. I ask you also to continue all the, to be creative in the other ways that you can keep the show alive, linking to the show site from your own site. Um, making reference to the shows, using what you learn in the shows in your life in some way, bringing them into your journey circles, into your life, into your shamanic practice. I give thanks to Deb who brings it into her teaching with the children at school every day. I give thanks to all of you who are using what you are learning on the show. I give thanks to all of you who are asking me questions. I'm doing my best to find ways to answer them in, um, in a way that is valuable for the show. And I give thanks to you, who, all of you who give me show ideas, all of these many ways that we keep the show alive and vital and useful. Thank you all. And today, uh, we are live. If you would like to ask a question about today's show topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site if you're listening live. And you're also welcome to email me during or after the show uh, to ask questions. Um, my email is christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So our topic today is finding true love. 
And um, I am sharing this show this week because it really would have been disingenuous for me to talk about anything else. Um, And I try at least to be genuine on the show. If I may not be insightful or inspiring, but I try at least to be genuine and authentic. So recently I created Wedding Vows. And I did this with spirit and with my partner. And as we were working on these vows and crafting them, we titled the file Fierce Vows that day. And um, I spoke these vows in ceremony last Friday, just a few days ago. And though I didn't conduct the ceremony, I felt in the ceremony as I do when I conduct rituals or ceremonies, I felt fierce. I felt loving and fierce. And to speak a vow is a place of great power. To speak a vow is the turning of a wheel of your life around those vows. Whether we speak those vows to awaken our authentic self as we do in the cycle, or as I spoke these vows on Friday, I could feel uh, this fierce loving power and the, the turning of the wheel of my life around this spoken word. And we don't really understand in some ways any longer that to speak a vow is an air ritual of the most powerful. And our vows began in this way. I fiercely believe in the big love and its full circle for both of us. You know, yet I live here in the world with all of you that largely doesn't understand love. And that's largely because the old story for the people was essentially fear-based, not love-based. In spite of all of the um, language of the dominant religions of the world, the message that was conveyed in the way things were lived by the people was fear-based. And it taught largely, particularly in America, in the Western world, that love in and of itself is a weakness. So thus we don't really understand the fierce courage required to love. And what a profound act of power it is to truly and openly love. Love your life. Love another person. It is a profound act of courage and of power. And it is critically important if we are to write a new story, an actually new story for the people, that as we write this story with our lives, that we redefine what we mean every day in our life by love and in particular true love and we must redefine this if this story we are writing right now with our lives is going to contain anything different than before so questions you need to ask yourself questions I have asked myself at this time is what do I need to leave behind to truly understand and live true love? It's a great journey question. What do I leave behind in terms of definitions? What beliefs? What limitations do you carry? What do you need to leave behind to live in true love and to write a story for the people with your life that is based in love, not fear? This is a profound gift We, the living, right now, are given, uh, we're given the responsibility to give this gift to those who are coming, to change the story from a fear-based story to a love-based story, which will, by its very nature, be sustainable. So what must you leave behind to understand true love so deeply that you live it? In everything you do in the day. What will you need to simply have faith in? And this will be a long list. Or it will be a short list that changes. As you manifest each step of faith that you must take. What must you have faith in to live in true love? And this is a question that I have been asking myself for 20 years. And this is where we are now as a people, as humanity. What must we have faith in? If we let these old beliefs go, or more than letting them go, if we force them to go, if we delete them through our work and through our fire rituals, what, what, what must we let go 
And then it correlates. There is correlating. What must I have faith in? Because what new beliefs must I bring into place in my life? And that begins often by having faith. So where must we, where must we ask for help in our lives? We will need to ask for help if we are going to learn to live in true love. And in particular, I'm going to talk today about asking for help from spirit. And finally, the question to ask in your life again and again is what do you need to give birth to for true love to reign in your life? What will you need to give birth to to be part of the manifestation of a story for the people that is based in love and not fear? These are very, very important and powerful questions to ask spirit as we go forward, as we are not just individual people with a destiny, but we are the people that chose to be here at the time of the turning of the worlds, the end of one world and the beginning of another, which means we chose to be here at a time where we, where we would write the story for the next arc of thousands of years for the people who are coming. So let us ask spirit these questions now so we can begin to write the story based in true love. And for us to do that, we need to understand what the hell it is in the first place. So what does any of this actually have to do with shamanism? Well, other than the very simple answer, which would make for a very short show today, which is everything. um, What it has to do with shamanism from my perspective is that what I have learned about love, I have largely learned from spirit. And in particular, from the quality of the relationship that the spirits have taught me to have with them. So from the helping spirits, I've learned then how to have a fiercely loving relationship with myself first and then with others. So if we are to redefine what we mean by love, I suggest that we go to spirit for the substance that we will change in our hearts. I don't really feel at this time that what humanity has manifest has much to offer us because it is all based on a fear-based life. On the other hand, There are poets, for example, like Rumi and Kabir, who can inspire us because they were part of this time, this fear-based time, but they inspire us to love fiercely nonetheless. And so we can find inspiration, but I suggest we go directly to spirit, that we go back to source for the substance of what it is that we must transform within ourselves. So let's start then with spirit. So if you've been listening to this show for a while, then you know that in general, what I have learned um, from following spirit in a sense, from allowing, from asking spirit questions and allowing the answers to impact my actions in my life. So in, in essence, what I have learned is that in the beginning, there was a oneness and only a oneness. And the essence of that oneness was love. And that the oneness is now and will always be. And that love is now and will always be. And that this love flows into all things because there was the oneness which became two and two became 10,000 things. And 10,000 things is a way of saying everything. So we all came from this. And the essence of all of this is love. So everything was born in this way from the oneness. Thus, everything is born of love. And this is the big love. And I've learned from spirit that this big love is really the root of true love. So while the big love is, you know, the earth and sky or this great cosmic dance of yin and yang, however we want to think of it, it's very cosmic and much bigger than our little brains can go. But it is the root then of true love, which is the vastness of love that we as humans experience. And as I act on this message from spirit in my life, I have found that love is not selfish, personal, small, or limited to family, friends, or nations. 
love defines defies all conditions. It connects all things, good and bad, beauty and ugliness, ecstasy and despair. Love connects everything. So what matters most about love is that we choose whether or not to serve love with our very lives. And that when we choose to serve love, we create goodness. We create beauty. And we create joy with our lives. So one of the most powerful lessons I have learned from the contact with spirit, the regular contact with spirit through my shamanic life, is that when we align with the oneness and the true nature of the universe we live in, then we stand in love, no matter the circumstances of the day. And this was the first truly life-shattering thing that the spirits taught me about love, was that being in love had absolutely nothing to do with anyone or anything else in my life. And that being in love was entirely about my relationship with the universe. So how can that be? The thing about falling in love and the exquisite altered state of falling in love, which is um, actually an altered state I was very addicted to in my young life. Very, very addicted to is that that experience of falling in love. What happens in that is that in that in that time of falling in love, in that altered state, part of the nature of that altered state is we are connecting to something larger than ourselves, which we think is the other person. We don't we don't realize though in doing that we are connecting to the innate um, love and oneness in all things. We don't realize we're stepping into our right relationship with the universe when we do that. We think it's all about the other person. At least I did. I don't know, maybe you all are smarter than I am, but I was sure it had everything to do with the other person and how they made me feel. I didn't realize how much of that was really about how that state of opening the heart to another person just opened you to everything. And that the ecstasy of that was really about the everything, not so much about the person. And so this was the first truly, truly life-shattering belief-changing, game-changing message from spirit is that to be in love, truly in love in life, had absolutely nothing to do with anybody else. And I was a really hard convert on that one. However, I did finally get that in short, you choose, each one of us chooses, we choose whether or not to be in love. And whether or not we are in love has nothing to do with anything else in the world, the circumstances of the day, or people. It is entirely about you and your relationship with the all that is. So that's really the first mistake that we make when we try to find true love, um, is that we think true love is something we must go out and find, and that we get all caught up in being the person that we imagine, the person that we think we want, will want. And at that point, the journey just gets even more insane because we are no longer focused on a journey in love. But now we're focused on what we're thinking about and what we're imagining and that person and what that person's going to want and how do we be that person. And it all goes to hell in a handbasket. But anyway, (laughs) so the working question really is, are you someone that you love? Are you someone that you would adore, be inspired by spending the rest of your life with? Because no matter what happens around you, you will spend the rest of your life with yourself. And you need to be passionately, intimately, ecstatically in love with yourself. And this is the great love of each of our lives is this, this love with ourself, our destiny, with the universe. And I don't mean this in any selfish way because this is the love that will take you to your soul's purpose and extend you out into the service you were born to give. So it's not selfish. It's big. It's really big. And it's understanding that your relationship with love is entirely limited, deeply understanding that your capacity
capacity for love is entirely limited by the passion and intimacy and joy, joyousness with which you love yourself. And if you can get that going, if you can make your relationship with yourself and the universe intimate, sexy, juicy, passionate, you will be attractive to those that love you. And that in and of itself is not always a good thing. Anyway, my point is, do you love yourself enough to give everything you have to your soul's purpose? Do you love yourself fiercely enough to call yourself on your own bullshit and do what needs to be done to manifest your purpose in the world? Do you love yourself enough to say, you know what? I need to stop drinking this coffee, getting my nails done, and coloring my hair because I need that money to do this other thing I want to do in my life. Do you love yourself enough to take a look in the mirror and realize you do not have that kick-ass body you had when you were playing sports in high school, stop eating the bar food, stop drinking too much beer, and and love yourself enough to find an activity in your life that keeps your body healthy and well. Stop being the armchair quarterback and go out and learn a sport. Go out and do something. Do you love yourself enough to give up your comforts for the man or the woman you came here to be? When you have established right relationship with yourself and your work in the world and with the world itself, then you are living in love. And then the law of attraction gets really easy because you're already in love. You can't actually attract anything else. So people don't complete us. Love is not scarce. True love is not the easy path. What other beliefs will you need to purge to find yourself in true love in your life? Ask spirit. Ask spirit for all of the beliefs you carry that keep you from standing in love with yourself and your life right now. And work through them systematically. Your helping spirits will be so happy to see that you are finally asking questions about something that really, truly matters, which is you and your heartfelt relationship with everything in your life. Do you love yourself enough to start saying no to the things that are not worthy of your passion and begin to say yes to what you really love? to what really matters to you in life. Do you love yourself enough to say no to that which is easy, that which is familiar, and that which allows you to fit in comfortably so that what you love has some energy to grow? So the second mistake that we make culturally here in the U.S., I think it's probably tracks with any Western thinking culture. The big mistake that we make is we think that our attraction is actually leading us to the person that we will love. We think that our attraction is, is love motivated. And we come by this honestly because from the programming in the old story, the old story set everything up as a battle. And um, our attraction was that um, secret friend that would guide us to the truth and that um, the old battle was uh, between the history of arranged marriages or marrying for love, right? And that the old story sets up an antagonistic relationship that it's either this or that and that the old story really kept people from seeing the greater truth that these two things are not separate, Practical daily life does matter. At the heart of the ancient traditions of arranged marriages, when it was, when it was used um, with integrity, 
This was the work of the elders to align two people, usually two young people, who did not yet know their destinies because of their youth. So it was really the work of the elders who had a sense of these two people's destinies of putting them together because those two destinies, two destinies, would be strengthened by being brought together. That is the art of the ancient art of arranged marriages because young people don't know their destiny yet and they are following their attraction which is not being motivated by their destiny or by their heart. Attraction is motivated by our shadow. And the elders knew this. And so arranged marriage was about knowing the destiny of the two people and putting destinies together that could at least run parallel, if not actually enhance um, and support each other, inspire each other when intertwined. So destiny matters. It matters a great deal. It is a very, very powerful force. And destinies do not, that, that do not naturally intertwine can be wound together, but only at a great cost. And this cost is always a cost your destiny is not willing to pay. So we can love anyone and we can love any destiny from afar. However, true love, true and enduring love cannot exist in an environment that destroys destinies. So in any relationship where one person's destiny is being destroyed by the pursuit of the others, true love cannot flourish. So we must understand that it isn't either an arranged marriage or love. It's understanding that love, true love flourishes when two destinies intertwine and inspire each other, they run parallel. They make each other, they egg each other on. And so this is the great, great, great fallacy. You even see it in the old marriage vows, in the Christian marriages, that the woman is to give over everything to the husband's destiny. No wonder in America we are a country of divorce. Because both destinies must be nourished for true love to flourish. It's very simple. So love matters too. Although the truth of the matter is we can fall in love with anyone worthy of our respect. Anyone passionately pursuing a destiny is sexy. Right? We actually can fall in love with almost anyone. That's not the hard part. The hard part is actually, do our destinies run parallel? Do they inspire each other? Do they egg each other on? Or do our destinies actually run, are, are, are our destinies only crossing in this moment? And that actually, as they continue, they will, they will travel further and further apart from each other. I've had many relationships in life where I realized that, the, that we were just crossing. And that the crossing itself was critically important for my destiny and for his or for hers. That, that the crossing was critical for each destiny. But then to try to hang on to something as the destinies are, are moving further and further apart is, is torture. And it costs a great deal. And so destiny matters. And so does love. So most people, though, try to follow their attraction into love in life, assuming that their attraction will take them to someone that they love or someone who will love them or whatever. And I noticed this in my 20s, um, that my attraction took me into relationships that were damaging. Now, for you to notice this kind of thing in your 20s, you need to not spend your 20s with the same person, which I didn't. So for those of you who spent your 20s like a respectable human being, you know, following the tradition with the same person, it might have been hard to see this that young. I, on the other hand, did not do that, was not terribly concerned with being a respectable person. And so I was able to see patterns, of course, 
that meant there was some getting in and out of relationships, but nonetheless, it allowed me to see the pattern. And the pattern was simply this, that my attraction took me into relations that were ultimate relationships that were ultimately damaging. So the damage was either me damaging some lovely kind man by ultimately walking on him because unfortunately he was making himself a doormat in my life. And so I was either damaging some lovely human being or some very dark, intelligent, and often crazy man was damaging me in his efforts to annihilate my ego. Now, granted, both of these patterns were coming into my life because they were each showing me aspects of myself that I needed to own. So they were each illuminating back to me aspects of my shadow. And so by following, what I saw very clearly is that by following my attraction to partners, I was always drawn to the person who would reflect back to me exactly the next aspect of myself that I needed to own. Not that I had that language for it in my 20s, believe me. And I just spun that wheel many, many times, repeating the same stupid pattern over and over and over again with lots of lovely people. And frankly, to all of those people, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the damage that I did because I did do damage. And well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I forgive them for the damage done to me because I was simply following what my culture taught me to follow, which is follow your attraction. And your attraction will take you to your true love, to your soulmate. And the truth is, our attraction doesn't take us there. Our attraction is motivated by the shadow. And our attraction always takes us to the person who can reflect back to us those aspects of ourselves that we need to own. Now... There are some lovely processes out there by beautiful and gifted teachers about how those of you who are in one of those relationships, you married that person you were attracted to, and now you're living with someone who daily is reflecting back to you your shadow. That's not uncommon. That's not a disaster. If you both are willing to learn the skills necessary to work on those shadow issues as they arise because they will arise continuously. That is part of the nature of being in relationships. You need to learn those skills anyway. So stop checking the relationships when they go bad and learn some skills to deal with your shadow because all relationships will bring up your shadow. But the most important thing to understand about following your attraction is it is not motivated by love and a desire for a soulmate. It is motivated by those aspects of yourself that do not yet stand in the radiant warm energy of your love because they are in the shadow and they are by definition not loved by you that is who is in the shadow the aspects of yourself you do not love and if you want to be in love and manifest true love in your life then you need to get yourself out of the shadow thus the job of attraction So once you really, really understand this, not just talk about it and laugh about it and then still follow your attraction to the same kinds of relationships over and over and over again. They're just a little bit more conscious each time. It's a merry-go-round, people. That is what your attraction is designed to do, to take you to your shadow. So once you really accept this and understand it, two things can happen. The first thing is, You march your adorable little hind end out there somewhere and learn true skills for a continuous, sustainable practice in your life of recovering yourself from your shadow. Now that I've told you that that's what you need to do, I'm sorry to tell you that do not email me. I do not know any good processes out there other than my own. So, sorry. Um, You'll need to find that yourself. I'm sure there are. Please feel free to go find them and don't email me what you find. Just tell your friends because what I see is people say to me, I've done my shadow work after they've done all these other processes out there, which means they do not understand the shadow. We have not done our shadow work. We will be doing our shadow work for a large part of our life unless we really get serious about shamanic work, soul retrieval, etc., 
That doesn't mean you shouldn't do other processes, but don't think because you took a weekend workshop or even a year-long thing with your therapist or whatever to deal with your shadow that it is done. The shadow doesn't work that way. The shadow is much bigger than that. But my point is when you really understand that your attraction is simply taking you into your shadow work and you take charge, take responsibility, take accountability for doing your shadow work on purpose, then you don't have to keep um, cycling through these relationships with people because, as I said before, it does damage. I hurt people and I got hurt by people. And it's very, very energy intensive. It consumes a great deal of resources to use your entire life just to recognize what's in your shadow. When you could grow up and just take responsibility to regularly do your shadow work. And then it takes that need out of the process of true love, of finding love in your life and true love. So that's the first thing that really understanding this should do is the job of attraction is to take you to your shadow to find the part of yourself you've lost your attraction to. It's all about you and all about becoming whole with yourself. So for me, I do this teaching in the second year of my four-year program. That program begins again in August of this year. You are welcome to come and do that. All you need is to know how to journey. You don't even have to want to be a shaman, know how to do shamanic healing, or ever want to. You just have to want yourself. You have to want to live in love, and you have to be willing to learn the skills to do that. So that's the shadow self-work. But the second thing understanding this about attraction should do is to get you to ask yourself the question, what does it feel like? To be pulled toward a partner when I no longer follow my attraction. That is the interesting question. What does that pull feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? What does it feel like to be moved by yourself, your life, your heart towards another person if you are not following your attraction. This I strongly suggest you explore with spirit. This is a rich path to follow and it is way more than one journey. But asking this question was the second most earth-shattering processes to do with spirit after the first one about just being in love. But this was the second one. To realize, well, if that's all my attraction was doing for me, then it's worthless in terms of finding a partner. So how the hell would I know this person if I tripped over them? How would you know? What does it feel like to be pulled toward someone you could be in right relationship with if you are no longer following your attraction? That is an interesting question. So we're not looking for someone to complete us. We are looking for someone who is a clear mirror, reflecting back to us and validating the self we've already come to love. We will always reflect each other. That is the nature of humans coming together, is we are mirrors for each other. But there are two kinds of mirrors from a shamanic perspective. There are clear mirrors and there are smoky mirrors. Clear mirrors reflect back to us the aspects of ourself that we value. And smoky mirrors reflect back to us the aspects of ourself we do not value. And these are the shadow aspects of ourself. And this is what our attraction draws us to. But clear mirrors reflect back aspects of ourself we do value. Now they may be disowned. We disown an awful lot of what is great and beautiful and magnificent about ourselves. And that's also in the shadow. But that ultimately, when you take responsibility for your shadow work, and don't use your entire life to do that, because it's very hurtful to do that on yourself and others. But when you take accountability for the fact that you need to do shadow work, we all do. Then we can come to a place where we begin to attract the people in our lives who are reflecting back to us our own beauty our own magnificence, our own potential, 
uh, but our love. And these clear mirrors are the people whose destinies most likely run parallel with ours. And so you must ask, you must learn, what does it feel like to be pulled towards someone I am not attracted to, but I will find myself deeply and intimately connected to sexually, spiritually, energetically, sensually, etc. Attraction really isn't even driven by our sexuality. Unless, of course, you've got your sexuality in your shadow. Attraction is driven by the shadow. And what we need to learn is what does it feel like to be drawn toward someone we will wish ultimately to be deeply intimate with who is at the moment simply reflecting back to us our beauty, our magnificence, and our love? This is a rich question. So in the beginning, in my beginning years journeying, I was really confused actually by how the helping spirits treated me and, and, and like really confused. So I started asking them questions about why they treated me the way they treated me. And this is when I learned that they are basically treating me as spirit and have to be periodically reminded that I'm just a human, quote unquote. And so I started seeing that my human limitations were stories. There was a lot that I learned by asking my helping spirits why they treated me the way they treated me. And this is how I learned that they are always coming from love. And it's a fierce love. If your helping spirits are coddling you, it's very likely that they still perceive of you as a child. You know, and I didn't really connect very well with helping spirits until after my initiation. And so my my whole relationship with helping spirits is really based on having made that movement as messy as it was from childhood to adulthood and adulthood into the shamanism. Not that I knew it as such quite yet. So they, they've always been treating me as a spiritual adult. I just didn't really know what that meant. So my point is, though, by asking them why they were treating me the way they were treating me, um, I learned about love. And I learned that it was that kind of fierce love that will frankly kill you to save you. It's that kind of love. And so after a while, I started trying to treat them as they treated me. Not quite sure where that idea came from. It was a little bit perverse. But nonetheless, I tried in my journeys to treat them as they treated me. And I was mostly curious of what would happen. It's not like I had a grand scheme. I was just curious what would happen if I changed the quality of my relationship with them. I mean, basically, when I, at that time in my life, I was codependent like everybody else, and I was pulling out of that from the initiation and changing the quality of my relationships with things. But if you're codependent in your life, you're going to be codependent with your helping spirits. And I, I, I saw that. That's what they were helping me to see. So I thought, well, what if I just, I don't know how to treat them. So what if I just treat them the way they treat me? And so in that way, Because the thing is, you know, in the spirit world, being different is easy. You get to practice. This is why we can deal with our phobias in the spirit world. Because being different, dealing with things there is easier in a certain way than dealing with it here in the physical world. So by following this curiosity I had of what would happen if I just started treating my helping spirits the way they treat me, um, I learned how to stand in love. And how to engage with other engage with other beings from that stance, from that place of love. And and admittedly, it was a whole lot easier with my helping spirits who who really have no other agenda than me living my soul's purpose than it was at all trying to bring it into the world, granted. But I could practice there, I could learn there, I can't I got the hang of it there. Now applying these lessons to humans was very, very messy at first. The whole dating sex relationship thing got very confusing for a while. And it actually just, frankly, even died off for a period before it kind of came back again. But slowly, what I began to see while I was still getting into relationships and out of relationships and into relationships and out of relationships and all of that, slowly what I began to see is the scripts, the stories that people were telling, the stories that people carry, not consciously, 
but they're in scripts. You know, the words we're supposed to be saying, the cues we're supposed to be taking, the marks we're supposed to be hitting. I saw the stories I carried, because I certainly carried stories. And I saw how easily people step into each other's scripts in the beginning. How they learn to say exactly the right things. And in the beginning, everybody seems perfect. Because everybody stepped in to each other's scripts. Everyone is stepping into that story. The problem is most of us don't know where the story goes from there. And that these are just stories. These are not sustainable stories because these are stories based on the old story. They're based, they're fear-based. And the story doesn't take us into this sustainable, right relationship with love and other beings. You know, it, it, it takes us right into scarcity, right back into our family of origin issues, back into the shadow. Right? So the story doesn't sustain the whole relationship, but it, it, it sustains the beginning. And so this is another gift that life really can give us if we can shift our perspective. Is it helps us to see the stories. And I really saw the stories I was telling myself instead of the one true story. And so I spent some time working with spirit asking, what do I need to do to clear that story? What, do I, what belief do I need to let go of? What do I need to have faith in? What do I need to let die? The very same questions I asked at the very beginning of the show are the questions I asked myself to clear the stories. As I saw the stories, I go to spirit, how do I clear the stories? And I became very frustrating for people. Granted, not damaging, but frustrating. So what's important to understand, though, is that the more time you spend in love, the more attractive you are. The more time you spend living what you are passionate about, the more attractive you are. But when you actually begin to write the new story for yourself in the new world, there will be few who understand your script. And so there will be potentially a time of nothingness. And that's great. It may feel lonely. But it's still great. It's a good sign that you've changed your story. And in that time, you need to keep telling your story, the new story for the new world, the love-based story, that I'm in love because of my relationship with the world story, that I'm not looking for you to complete me, that I don't believe that love is scarce. And I don't believe I need to sacrifice my destiny for love or love for destiny. That you're looking for other people who get your story. You're looking for the others who are writing the new story for the people for the new world. You're looking for others who've fallen in love, in true love with themselves, in true love with their purposes. And you're looking for others who are on the path of their destiny. So... What's important to understand in that beginning time is that sort of third mistake that we make is that we somehow need to fit in to all of these other stories and that the old stories uh, – journey with true love or stories of betrayal and stories of um, dishonesty because ultimately the old story has to justify itself and its fears. And so the important thing about writing a new story for yourself that's based in love and really finding in that true love is you have to be willing to be contrary, to be other than, to be apart from, And to not fit into the scripts. You know, there was a period of time, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show, it's one of the silliest times of my life, right in the middle of one of the busiest, most shamanically um, big, uh, aggressive, ambitious times in my life where we just simply had to do this huge project. And it, it encompassed my whole life at that time. I was told that I need to find the love of my life. Like I had any time at all at that point to do it. And I said, okay, fine. That's impossible. So spirit, you'll have to help me do that. And one of the many things spirit had me do was actually e-harmony. And, and I had to do the whole thing. I even had to go on dates. I had to do the whole thing. 
And the purpose of it was that the way eHarmony is set up, which I don't necessarily like how eHarmony is set up, but what it is set up to do is allow you to spend any amount of time during the day affirming what you want and what you don't want. And that was the point of it for me is to give – because if I had been given a meditation to do, frankly, I wouldn't have done it. But I was on the computer anyway because of this huge – international job we were doing process we were doing and so i could just click over 10 minutes e-harmony blah 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 this is what i want this is what i don't want da, 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 da. and i asked well if this is just a meditation tool do i even have to go on the dates? said yep you got to go on the dates. so i had to go on the dates and it was very awkward because the scripts didn't match at all and these were lovely human beings i didn't have any any e-dating disasters well i did but only one but mostly these were really lovely people but the scripts didn't match at all. And that was part of it as well. To get me to see the story that I was telling and to be patient and to tell it again and again and again, even to people that didn't understand it. To be that woman again and again and again, even to the people that didn't want her or understand her. But to affirm the woman that I wanted to be. Because she was the woman in the relationship I wanted to have. And to not let the people that I was with change that at all. And this is what we do. We cave. We cave in and we become the person the other person wants. We fit into the script. And that is the third mistake that we make. Write your own story. Write your own script. And be that man or be that woman regardless. Don't make anybody else wrong for theirs, but be yours. And this for me was the, the final teaching that I really got from spirit. We have this belief that relationship is compromise. And we start compromising right at the beginning. And we compromise the very things that are most important to ourselves. And you must not do that. So no matter who is in your life, you need to be the person living in the true love relationship that you want. And this path to true love is never really about anyone else. It is and has always been about you and your heart and your heart's memory of why you are here. I did finally realize that no matter who was in my life, That relationship was the relationship that I wanted to live in, the one that I described, that I learned from spirit, how to be in love, what it felt like to be in love, what that would be like. And so I did everything spirit told me I needed to do to be that woman. And then I lived as that woman in that relationship without a partner for quite a while. I dreamt of that relationship every night before sleep telling myself the story, putting myself to sleep with the story of me in that relationship. Now, just in case you actually want to do this, the way that I did it was I always picked someone I was never going to see, like some movie star I would never meet in a lifetime, right? Because he was hot and he was, you know, worked for me. And that gave me the part, the partner, quote unquote, the blank. It gave me a face to fill in the blank. It made the story easy to tell myself. Now, I made sure spirit knew that I didn't really mean him. The point was to pick someone that was there no possible way I would ever really be with. And then to tell the story every night, the way we would interact, where we would go, what we would do, the story of me being the woman in the relationship that I wanted to have. And that person would change. Sometimes they didn't have a face at all. Sometimes it didn't really matter. The point was I never used anyone I had any expectation of ever being with. I used the the generic everyman, right, and just told that story to myself. And so I would go into the dreaming every night, dreaming of this relationship that I wanted. And I greeted each day in love at my shrine with my cup of tea in the wee hours of the morning, affirming what I wanted in my life, loving the energies in my life. And this went through my practices, through my Qigong, through the Taoistic female practices to cultivate the sexual energy, engaging in gratitude, 
um, and intimacy with the spirits, living my purpose to the best of my ability, asking spirit how I could get out of my own way, listening to the answer, taking the actions, always changing more deeply into the woman I imagined in that story. No one completes me. It is my task in life to live as a full human with a destiny and an open, clear, full, and strong heart. Finding true love is never about anyone else. It is about having the courage to truly love yourself, to engage intimately in all aspects of your life, to work joyfully, and to not take the rest of life too seriously. May you be dangerously loving this week. May you do something that risks the power of your heart made manifest. We have absolutely nothing that truly matters to lose and everything to gain. The narrative, we have the narrative of the new world to gain and our courage to love with big, open, clear, strong, and loving hearts. I give thanks to the ancestors who loved fiercely and ask them to support us in this time. Give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the big love that they share. And I give thanks to the hearts, your hearts, my heart, the heart that unites us all. Thank you everyone for joining me this week. May you be fiercely loving. Have a great week.